Hello and welcome to Movies on the Side. This is Stephen Robles. And this is Nate Baranowski. And this week, we review the 2020 direct-to-streaming movie, Artemis Fowl. Nate and his brother Jacob have a special connection to this one as they actually read the original work. So watch me talk with impassioned speech about a beloved (laughs) book series turned into possibly one of the worst movies we've seen on Movies on the Side. Our ratings for this movie breaks all previous records. We talk about if any characters in this movie are likable. I actually care more about an inanimate object in this movie. I talk about the plot of this movie, and I think I gave Steven a headache. All that and more on this week's Movies on the Side. Nate, I cannot believe you recommended this movie. You made me watch this. You twisted my arm. Steven. What movie did we watch this week? Could you say its name? <laughs> the name of this movie is Jacob Baranowski. No, the name of this movie is Artemis Fowl. Now, I know you, you have a pent-up, you have a, an hour podcast solo inside you right now, ready to go. Yeah, I don't even need no, you, No, I know, I know. I could just, You're going to run. You could just walk away, and I'm just going to That's run. right. You're going to be like that Wolverine gif where there's an explosion behind him, and you're just walking away. Mm-hmm. I know... Your brother, and maybe you also, are big fans of this book series, because it was originally a book series, right? Yes, correct. And a series, not just a single book. Right. Okay. So I know that. I think uh, when Jacob left us a review on the podcast, he actually used this as his like secret name. Sorry, Jacob, if I wasn't supposed to give that away. And I also know the Rotten Tomatoes, Nate. I know the Rotten Tomatoes because it's preposterous. If this movie gets a critic score of above 20%, <laughs> I leave this. <laughs> nope. Critic score is 9% Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. And audience score. The audience of our... <laughs> yeah. What's your walk away level? <laughs> What's your uh, give up? If audience is more than 50, oh. we have an issue. No, no. We're, we're plenty far away from that. We're in like 28. Even lower. Audience satisfaction is 20. 20% on oh, all right. Tomatoes, good, yes. good, 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 good. So, Humanity, you still have a little hope left in you. In the so tank. I go went into this movie knowing nothing about the story, about the books. My only context was you and Jacob. And I didn't even look at the Rotten Tomatoes until after I saw it. So I, I had no idea what to expect. We did watch the trailer because my kids saw it on Disney Plus as like, a, oh, a new movie. And so I was like, okay, well, let's watch the trailer. I knew, I recognized the name from you guys. Mm-hmm. Upon watching the trailer, we were like, all right, no, sorry, kids, you're not watching this because I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what to expect from this movie, but this trailer seems a little wild. Can I go now? Yeah, go ahead. Stephen, this series of books by Owen Colfer came at the heels of Harry Potter. He is Irish in origin. The main protagonist and the characters in this movie take place in Ireland, and it is a movie that builds a world that supposes what if fairies and giants and dwarfs all exist, but unlike Harry Potter where they're kind of out and about, they live in a subterranean world beneath ours. (laughs) Atlantis is to mermaids as New Haven is to magical beings. Mm. And let me tell you something. The books themselves are delightful. Okay, They are the kind of books where... If you were to read them as a kid, starting to read stories themselves, they are fast-paced enough and enjoyable enough that they would make you like reading as a kid, okay? This whole book series is based and named after the main character, Artemis Fowl, who is, in and of himself, interesting enough to carry a book series because he is, one, 
brilliant. Two, basically amoral mm. in his decisions. So cold, so calculating, a criminal mastermind himself. In the books, what happens is his dad, he assumes his dad has been killed in a like a mafia run-in. Uh, his mother has some sort of dementia and uh, is bedridden, hmm. so he takes care of her, uh, and he runs a criminal underworld. Like He runs kind of a theft, uh, high-stakes burglary kind of thing himself. Like the Joker from Batman who has like an entire army in the sewers or whatever? Or Bane. Bane. Bane did that. Yeah, yeah, Bane. Uh, less, less people. Like he's not really employing a bunch of people. Hmm. He's just pulling the strings behind it. And uh-huh. we jump into this character in the books, and he is just like ruthless. Is he a kid in the books? Like he's a bad guy. He's a kid. He's okay. like, and he's a kid genius, and he's ruthless, and he's a bad guy. Is he a jerk? No, he's not a jerk in the books. He's not a jerk. Think less jerky and more like a sarcastic Bond, maybe. He's likable in his, like, how you would like a Sherlock Holmes. Mm. It's mm-hmm. just like, you are so brilliant that it's mm, okay. that, that's likable. But also, like, yeah, you're pretty, like, heartless guy. What happens, and I'll give you the, the overall run-in, is the books basically sets out by saying, this kid is a genius, he's greedy, he's trying to build this name for the foul people, and he's a kid, so he still has this potential belief that, there may be like fairies and stuff, but he is the one who discovers this underworld because he believes that, well, adults would write this off as complete legend, but I see enough facts in here that maybe point me to there is something behind these legends that I've been told. It has nothing to do with his dad teaching him anything. He discovers this all by himself. He finds a way to lure in a fairy. There is no MacGuffin. He is basically just trying to, the leprechauns he has heard of in the past, he's trying to get their gold. And he's basically using criminal ways in order to get gold, get money. So the dad... The dad is not present in book one. The dad becomes present in uh, later books. But his dad is not a believer in fairies and that sort of things. Because let's be honest, what adult would tell their son all about fairies and their son goes, yep, this is legitimate and real. Because that's like, the whole movie pretty much hinges on that. Yeah, because, for example, if you were to, let's say, in a hypothetical movie that just came out, the dad taught you everything you needed to know about fairies, then left you with a handy field book (laughs) to fairy lore, you wouldn't have to be a genius to figure that out. You would just, like you were building an Ikea armoire, you would just put it together because your dad did it all for you. You wouldn't be much of a genius, would you? You would just be listening to your dad. Or the bodyguard literally telling you exactly what to do at every moment. Yes. Look for the journal. Go to the last page. Read the last entry. It's Todd's journal. Go to the last entry. Yes, exactly. And the world behind it is full of very rich, but very like larger than life characters. I mean, it's still a children's book. So you do have the Mulch Diggums and Commander Root and Holly Short, like a bunch of weird names and weird fun, you know, goblins in prison, that sort of thing. I know you can't imagine this because what you just saw was this movie. But the books are actually full of a lot of fun, interesting, and high-stakes adventure where they actually leave their house. So you're saying the books are good, and we should not (laughs) judge the books after having seen this movie. Right, exactly. A few things here. This this is a Disney movie. The movie is made by the Walt Disney Company. Yep. It was supposed to be released in theaters. Maybe it was actually released to some theaters 
in May of 2020, but it's basically just direct to streaming because of the whole right. coronavirus thing. They had the choice to push it off to later. Oh. I would dare say they made the right <laughs> choice in letting this kind of slip into Disney+. Plus. With Hamilton coming right. less than a month later oh. and advertising that heavily. All makes sense now. All makes sense. So this is a Disney movie. I... Steven? <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's, take, let's take this character at a time. Josh Gad narrates this entire movie. Olaf, in case you didn't know. Yep. And also LeFou in the live action Beauty yep. and the Beast. Josh Gad is fulfilling some sort of Disney... <laughs> three movie deal right <laughs> they, they have his cousin locked up in a closet and they made him do this movie i think he was also in murder on the orient express directed by kenneth branagh who did this movie oh, as well okay. so it could oh, also okay. be like listen i know the director yeah you're gonna you can do him a favor we're friends he is a tall dwarf or a giant dwarf of some kind yep kind of like a freakish thing that's not supposed to be like that not in the books he's probably giant because they didn't want to shrink him down <laughs> okay i find Every time he begins to narrate the story and we see him staring at the camera <laughs> in this interrogation cell, I find it insufferable and I can't stand it. And I don't know what's happening. It's very bad. I don't know what's happening, Nate. But of course, Artemis wasn't on his own, even if it may have seemed that way sometimes. It's very, very bad. We need to back out because we need to just give an overall view of this movie, Stephen, because we're about to go in deep on some of the stuff in this movie, and I want that to happen after the spoilers. Uh, I don't right. think there are actually any spoilers in this movie because I don't think this story makes sense. Yeah. But if you wanted to go see it with fresh eyes like Stephen did uh-huh. just a little bit ago, uh-huh. you can go watch it. I don't recommend it, but if you like Mott's, <laughs> you can come back later. But I need to go overall back out of Josh Gad's weird interviews, back out of all okay. of it. Do we need to rate it? Are you saying we should, we should rate it? And just... No, no. I want you to tell me, based on how these characters, tell me which, are there any that are likable to you and which are the most insufferable? I literally have a note. My final bullet point says, I don't care about anyone in this movie. Anyone. I don't care about a single person, a single character. Honestly, Artemis, least of all. I actually... I actually don't like him. Act And of all the characters, I would probably vote him out. Josh Gad is tough because the narration scenes with him are ridiculous, but some of his other lines are almost funny. And I would almost say like, all right, we'll keep him, get rid of Artemis. Right. Are there any characters I can stand? Even, listen, I don't know what's going on with Judy Dench, but going from Cats and then to this? <laughs> there is some sort of conspiracy theory about her agent like somehow sabotaging her career, trying to like put her in these bad movies. And if yeah, between these two I don't know. I liked Judy Dench, but I felt sorry for her. Like, oh, you're trapped in this movie. I have this note that's saying, Did Judy Dench smoke three pack of cigarettes a day for an entire year just to do this role? Because her voice is so so What about Josh really? Gad's voice? Well, his too, but he could do voices. I mean, he does voices. But I mean, Judy Dench is like, she sounds like she's been smoking for three lifetimes. You've seen the news. The Archelos is still missing. Count verbal. Uh, they put a line in this movie with Josh Gad is talking to her like something about like, are we just going to use our gruff voices and just use gruffness the whole time? Oh, yeah, yes. That yeah. had to be ad-libbed because at some point in time, they had to look at each other like, I didn't know that you were going to do a gruff voice before we had this scene. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know you were going to do a gruff voice. This is pretty unbearable when you watch it all together, isn't it? Yeah. We got to get out of here. Listen to the two of us. 
grunting at each other like a pair of hippos with a throat infection. All right, you know who I cared about? I'll tell you exactly who it was. <clears throat> yeah. There was a fisherman in a boat. <gasps> yes. <laughs> Got thrown to his death and then was later saved. He is the, you know, the oh, one character I cared about. You know who I also cared about? The people at that Italian wedding <laughs> yes. who had a troll go through their wedding. Uh, they were then men in black mind wiped. Apparently, the fairies did not find it uh, worth their time to clean up the mess of the wedding. They just wiped their memories and then left them like surrounded by rubble. Those, that poor bride and groom and their whole wedding party have to look around like, well, yeah. the day's ruined, but I don't know why. Yeah. It was like the librarian in Jumper. <laughs> right. Judy Dench uh, says at one point, top of the morning, which I thought was funny. Did you find that funny? Or did no, you find I it didn't sad laugh. that they made her say top of the morning? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't laugh out loud. I was, it did make me sad. I'll give you the one line that I thought was humorous. This was a Josh Gad line. Okay. And I think he is staring at the camera. But he says something like, uh-huh. Try to imagine if humans suddenly found out there was a world of magical creatures living beneath them. Most human beings are afraid of gluten. How do you think they'd handle goblins? I hated that line. I hated it. it, was, it was, you didn't like that line? It was like, no, it was stupid. I mean, that was the best one I could find. Afraid of gluten. I oh mean, well, anyway, I honestly, I think Artemis is on the bottom of my list. Like, he's my least liked character. And that's rough when you name a movie after the main character and he's supposed to kind of carry it. And yet, he's unlikable. Yeah, he doesn't carry anything. So Butler, his bodyguard, uh, mansion guardian or whatever, he's almost kind of cool-ish. But there's nothing to him. There's just nothing. No, with that silver hair and like blue eyes, I thought he was going to be like an undercover fairy or something. Yeah, fairy. (laughs) Yeah. But apparently not. And he has like this, when they introduce some of these characters... It's such a weird and bizarre, like like a fourth person perspective introducing a character. It's like, yep. because Josh Gad is narrating it sometimes. I don't know if Artemis narrates his intro or not, but it's just so weird. Nope. It's so weird. It was Josh Gad? No, it was just Josh Gad throughout. Josh Gad narrating things he was never a part of and telling them like the omnipotent narrator that he is not because he's just a character in this story. <laughs> right. I just, it was all so bizarre. My big overarching thoughts of this movie are this. I'm not sure if I've ever experienced watching a movie and feeling like it misses so many crucial things that make a movie a movie. It is the uncanny valley of Mm. movies. Just in its conflict and resolution and character and plot is a creative writing project that seems like it took everyone's creative writing project into class and just combined it into one story in a way that is not compelling, not interesting, not followable, <laughs> and not enjoyable. And I finished watching this movie and thought to myself, like, I can't believe that higher-ups at Disney saw this and said, well, this version that we just released is good enough to go out into the world. Yeah, Like, it feels like maybe there were about 20 cuts of this movie, and we got one of them just now, but... It needed to be so badly reworked. So maybe there was some sunk cost. I know this was a lot of production issues of the whole thing. And and Kenneth Branagh came in later. And there must have been just so many executives that tried to put their finger into this plum pie (laughs) that it is a mess. And it might be the most messy 
of a movie, not not just legitimately bad, legitimately messy, unfinished, and kind of doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No. It is baffling of a movie. It's baffling to it me. Is. Even the one fairy character, the main fairy character, who is Holly Short. Yes, who is trying to clear her father's name or something. We have zero context for these things that, like the motivation, like her motivation for disobeying a direct order and like going off, like no context. I have no idea who she is. I don't feel anything for her. I never saw her dad, like no, no information like to go off of. Yep. And I just don't know. Oh, and then there's the antagonist who seems to constantly be trying to get Judy Dench like off the leadership role the guy that they release okay no i can't i can't the guy they released from prison and then all of a sudden was like back in second in command shouldn't they have looked at him and like wait a minute you were just in prison for what we don't know <laughs> he also mentions why are you here he constantly mentions like oh, when the council finds out it's like they have all this technology and like this judy dench is hiding these huge army movements from this council and he's like well when they find out you're gonna go down like somehow they don't we, know. we never see a never council see i don't know if it's nope. real or a lie because he's hired by the most power rangey of villains that never reveals himself oh, i'm sorry <laughs> it's, we need to rate this movie okay <laughs> Read this movie. What's the name of the MacGuffin? You know what? I don't even want to know. Aculos. Oculus. It's not Oculus. Oculus is a, is a Acu- virtual reality Aculus. goggle. It is said 50 times in this movie, and yeah. I it still doesn't it doesn't sound any cooler the more you say no. it. And you know what? I think we should rate it from zero to five MacGuffins. We don't even rate it by the, the thing's name. Yeah. They should have just called it MacGuffin. <laughs> zero to five MacGuffins. Nate, I think, I think I'm going to give it a zero. <laughs> I was honestly trying to think, is there any redeeming quality, anything, anything, anything in this movie? And, you know, sometimes when something is so bad, you say you want, you need to see this for the pure spectacle of it because it's that bad. Mm -hmm. But this is a different kind of bad. Yes. This is the kind of bad movie that, no, no, you don't, you don't need to do anything with it. Here's the thing. A bad movie can be bad, but earnestly bad, right? You get a movie that like people are trying to sell it. It's like, yeah, this is bad, but there's someone out there who likes it. A disaster movie where you have committed characters, you know what I mean? This movie from start to finish does not believe in itself, does not like itself. It is like watching someone who doesn't want to be there. Uh, do like a talent show performance of the piano because their mom forced them to play Moonlight Sonata for the whole school. <laughs> and it's like it. Not only is it bad piano playing, they're looking at you like, sorry, 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 <laughs> sorry. I didn't want to be here. That's what this movie is. is. I'm sorry we released this. I'm sorry. But they had a choice not to. But oh, okay, well, Nate, what are you gonna get? Oh yeah, a choice to the choice to not. But they were like pot committed for like 126 million dollars. Oh. <laughs> okay. I am going to give Artemis Fowl one half MacGuffin. All right. So 0.5. 0.5. Very good. Okay. But you know what? As I say that, I find it hard to find something that was somewhat likable about This is what I'm saying. There are maybe, there are maybe a trailer's worth of enjoyable things in this movie. Maybe. (laughs) If you were to make it into a trailer... You may f- be able to pull out two minutes of enjoyable footage, a short quibby or whatever those are called. <laughs> quibby. quibby is an app and a service. It's, it's not a form of video. Yeah, but they're also very short. On they're quibby. five to ten minutes, yeah. Yes. 
Uh, okay, <laughs> that's a little bit. You couldn't get five no, to ten minutes out no. of this, but you could get enough. But here's the thing: even if you could boil it down to two minutes, I don't think it would be good. Anyway, the the mo the only moment. Well, I'm just gonna sound the spoiler horn, and then we can just keep going. Ready? Okay, here we go. Hold on with us, everyone. It's about to get real. The only moment I found any enjoyment is when a butler and Artemis are out in the front of the house and they're trying to fight off some fairies that had like a few seconds of interesting action, but also it was totally implausible Yes, because it looks like there is a Lord of the Rings size army of stuff, including like battleships and tanks. And they have the technology to freeze time, but apparently can't stop this one kid in a suit that has like a sword. He shouldn't even know how to use. He just picked it up yesterday. So it was yes. it was a, almost a moment of enjoying it, and then it was like the implausibility just takes it out. It's slow motion panned around in a way that tricks your mind into thinking you're watching like an Avengers fight scene. So right. there is a synapse that fires in your brain that goes, oh, cool act. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> Tried to trick you. First off, are they just shooting these fairies out of the sky? Are they dying? Nobody knows. Why does he have to tell butler when to fire yes yeah, doesn't he butler should know all this okay where did butler get that that bow and arrow is what i want to know they were they were fighting yeah. with guns and swords and then he pulled out a bow and arrow a laser bow a and laser arrow. Okay. arrow yeah we start at the beginning okay, <laughs> okay. listen we start at yeah. the beginning foul manor yeah ireland yeah we cut to artemis foul little tiny hagrid olaf josh gad tells us that he was super smart which this movie tells us all the time he's super smart he's a mastermind right. we never see him do something super smart no. he just says like that's what i was planning to do the whole time right that was my plan and he says i have a plan i have a plan that was the plan that's all he says we need her and what exactly is your plan keep watching trust me can't be that that was yeah exactly like i can sound like a genius too if something happens i go yep just like i thought it would <laughs> Okay, because the whole the whole premise of this movie is so stupid. Okay, it shows him surfing. Oh, yeah. Which is, first off, I've never seen a little kid surf and think to myself, well, that's not very cool at all, actually, somehow. Which never, play, never plays into the movie after that. Yeah, and then the very first scene of him talking to someone for about a half second, I thought, oh, Artemis Fowl. Look, he's going to like show up this guy, this counselor guy or whatever. But then he's just a jerk to him, calling it his chair from... 600 years ago that somehow this school counselor uh, has is like is fake like antique road shows him right. and then like is a jerk about the whole thing yep and it's like oh wait i don't like this nope, character not at all. but look at these furniture tacks crisscross pattern on the head machine tooled makes it 1890s at the earliest your grandfather was duped and also that counselor like yells out after him it's like no counselor's gonna do that who do you think you are? But also, that counselor, that office has a big glass wall right. in it, which is bad counseling. <laughs> Zero privacy. That's, you, know, that you should you should not be able to see who the counselor's meeting right. with. You know, it was at the beginning, and someone was throughout. This would not raise my rating of zero. But there are some nice Irish tunes in the background sometimes. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, the music score. But that was it. Uh, sometimes I heard a theme and I was like, oh, that sounds like something I played in orchestra. And then I was like, ah, oh, this movie's terrible. Yep. Uh, but that's all. So anyway, he goes back to his house. He His dad goes to leave. And his dad apparently gets disappears. And somehow when he disappears, the news also reports that he 
was a thief maybe and has these he maybe stole the rosetta stone some some very carmen san diego stuff he stole the clock from big ben whatever we never see those things again we never see any thievery at at all in this movie and it's very confusing as a whole because it's like what what happened that these news people are at the house because the rest of the movie never reveals that yep you know how how did any of this news get out it doesn't it doesn't make any sense why he's like being called out on this so butler opens up this kid supposed to be the like the smartest genius in the world who beats like the chess champion at age eight he is surprised when he actually has a basement <laughs> in foul manner right wait there was something underneath the first floor this whole Hold time on a second is this where my dad's gone he said he was going for a walk he was down here there is a shot i wish we had we had a video medium at the moment because i want to show you the shot of they go downstairs and they're like look at what your dad has done there is just shelves of empty glass bottles that are glowing blue yes and i looked closely like is there supposed to be something inside of them because this isn't interesting i thought there was going to be fairies i think my thought is that maybe later on they were going to like we're going to cg some like tiny like pixie glowy stuff in here and they just never got around to it did you notice like the big stack of glass jars? Yeah, I had no idea what they what they were doing there. What I was supposed to be looking at, I was like, is this are these potions? Are they? I don't know what these are. They're just empty glass bottles. And then we're supposed to begin a an escape the room esque scavenger hunt for his dad's secret journal that his dad never let Butler read. <laughs> this scene is maybe the worst script. Just a moments of him going, "Does your dad ever give you a clue?" Well, my dad told me this blessing. It's called the Irish blessing. I was like, "Yeah." I've heard of it before. I'm not Irish. I'm American. And I know it's about like, may the road ride up to yeah, meet you. Yeah. May the wind always be at your back. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, look, there's a drawer in this Goes to file cabinet that says Irish Goes blessing. the exact drawer. Oh, maybe that'll be the first step in a clue in order to find your dad's super secret journal that he doesn't want anyone to find. Yeah. Nope. Opens up Irish blessing. There's the journal. Done. And it's also like he like reaches up and pulls out a light. Like a right above the journal, and I, I told him, I was like, "How do you know that light was there?" He's just like, "He's never been down he's never here done. before." He like pulls it out, flips it over, like, "Oh yeah, got a light." Goes right in the exact drawer, and then <laughs> as he's reading the journal or whatever, he's says such a, such, a, such a, uh, fairies, and he's like, "Fairies aren't real, or are they?" <laughs> I was like, "Are you kidding me? That's a joke, right?" So here are here are two options. One, his dad has told him. And this kid is, what, 12 years old? Right, yeah, Maybe? 12. He says that in the movie. 10? 12. 12. His dad has been telling him his whole life about fairies. Specifically, we find out later, his dad's like, well, what do you do if a fairy tries to mind control you? And he's like, well, father, you put on sunglasses, on some Ray-Bans or whatever, and those are going to be fine. <laughs> One, your dad is telling you fairy tales that aren't real, and you're like, dad, you I'm 12 years old. You don't have to tell me about Santa Claus anymore. Like that kind of like feeling like you don't have to tell me about fairies anymore. And why are you telling me so specifically about how to defeat these fictional items? So this kid's a genius. Right. So that's one option. Number two, his dad tells him about fairies while he's a genius 12 year old. And he should turn to his dad and be like, listen, are these things real? Why are you telling me so much about them? You know, I'm like have the IQ of an adult, <laughs> but yet it's like his dad told him all this information and he never once considered like, does my dad believe this stuff? Yeah. But then, yeah. but then he goes in to catch a fairy. Now here's the here's the purpose. I, correct me if I'm wrong. He needs to get the Aculos mm-hmm. because uh, the bad Power Rangers villain with the green hood calls him and says, "I have your right. dad. I have your dad." <laughs> and 
and if you don't bring me the Oculus in three days, I'll kill him. Yep. Okay, yep. got it. We have three days to get the Oculus. He goes, here's my plan to get it. Yeah. The Oculus is in his house the whole time. Something we as the viewers don't know. I'm not sure if he knows. It's in a safe in his house. But he wants the fairies, he wants to get it. So what he, what he does, his master plan is, I'm going to go to a tree that my father once saw a fairy at or something. Mm-hmm. Hope there's a fairy there. Hope beyond hope. Yeah. Once we have a fairy there, I'm going to kidnap that fairy. Then they're going to bring in their whole fairy army to me. Mm. Once they do that, they won't be able to come in my house because I will, I don't know, because there's some sort of fairy lore. That is the biggest, like... <laughs> There's, there's a couple mentions of like there's this unspoken pact or rule that like the fairies can't enter the house until they're invi- yeah. invited. I think there's some sort of like like fairies can't go in a house unless they're invited or wh- whatever. Anyway, ridiculous. The but then what I know is that the fairy army won't be able to come in, so they'll send in a very specific dwarf that I've never met, never heard of, who will then come into the house, then open the safe. I've never talked about the safe, never mentioned the safe. Then I need him to, he will come in to try to kill me. But instead of killing me, he will find, open the MacGuffin safe, which is in my house. Apparently, I don't know how to open, but only dwarf hair can. Once he opens it, then I will use the fairy that I kidnapped. I will befriend her. She will then use it and we'll get my dad back. Because this MacGuffin that I don't know what happens at all because I've never used it because no human can, apparently will transport my dad back. That is his master plan that we are never told we are like that has never been the plan he doesn't leave his house our hero goes on an adventure by bringing a bunch of calamity to him and then saying yep that was my plan the whole time i don't believe it i have to say it's almost more exhausting trying to hear someone summarize (laughs) this movie than almost watching it all over again let's go to new haven beneath the ground welcome to the cg effect of 2002 Yes, for real. It is, remember the elves from Santa Claus? Friend of the show, Zach, who I talked to about this movie, mentioned, I think it's like those elf police. Someone had the, the idea, ELFS. Of like, do it like the Santa Claus movie, yep, and we'll just make it like that. Yep, I remember that. Listen, he's an artist, a con artist. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> There's so much going on. This almost has like a Mortal Engines problem, mm-hmm. where they're trying to build this massive world in 90 minutes like this movie is only 90 minutes long yep and it's not impressive it's just confusing right you know i mean and these are not kinds of characters that we're unfamiliar with i mean i guess we we know trolls and stuff but we don't know this world right and so everything's confused and then there's a centaur i don't even like him the centaur effects of him walking around and them cging the back legs on was really troubling for me and he looked like on or off balance the entire time like, like they they put him in like like wooden hooves. Like, listen, clop around. We'll, we're going to add yeah. the back half of you. We promise. And that just technology and abilities they seem to have are limitless. And yet they seem to not be able to solve simple problems. If you have the ability to stop time, you should be like humans should be just subservient to you if you want. Like you shouldn't have to live down if you can just freeze humanity. Well, and also, so one fairy goes rogue and escapes. And you have to send your entire army after her? Right. Like, you would think they would have some kind of technology or tool that would teleport her back or something. But I guess they have to go in a little pill and get blasted through a volcano in order to get to Lava yeah. stuff. Yeah. And we find out this, it, there's so much 
last minute rule building, which I think is the sign of a messed up edit of a bunch of like different shots all put together. Like, oh, we'll make sense of this in the editing room. There are so many lines of just like, you know, fairies can't enter the house without doing this. Right. Oh, you know that I can't use my magic until they turn back on the magic sink <laughs> or whatever keeps them from doing yeah. that. Oh, you know that trolls get angry when they get punched in the nose. And it's like, no, I didn't know any of this. No, I'm not familiar with this. But like, you can't say them just, and like, even Artemis Fowl does it. And it's like, okay, everyone in this movie knows about fairies better than anyone watching this movie. And you can't go on a ride with a protagonist who learns that fairies exist literally 30 minutes into the movie and then feel like he left us behind in all of that. And we're just left being like, wait, we don't know the rules of this world and you're destroying them and rebuilding them faster than we can like keep track of them. Well, we said at the beginning, even if we were familiar with the world and the kinds of characters, you then have to make us care about any of them yes. or at least one, like at least have some kind of emotional investment in any of them with Artemis specifically. The moment that he finds out his dad is missing, he walks into the kitchen holding this glass milk jug. Yes. And from as soon as I saw that milk jug, I was like, oh, he's going to drop it on the floor and it's going to, it's going to crash. Yeah. And then five minutes later, five minutes of him staring at the TV slowly. And then the milk falls. And I'm like, well, I knew that was going to happen, but I didn't believe him. I didn't believe his, sorrow of his dad being missing i didn't believe there's meant to be a really touching moment where butler gets killed by a troll falling on him right and we're supposed to like the music swells we're supposed to feel a lot of of swelling you're so like Mm -hmm. you were gonna miss you so much but artemis has not shown any care for him no butler's niece is included in this movie for about five minutes and they're kind of off and on sometimes she's in the house sometimes she's not right she brings food maybe yeah she's supposed to be like a really cool warrior girl but then like when the troll shows up she just runs around and screams (laughs) she's not at her uncle's side when he dies i don't know where she is she's caught up in a chandelier or something and then I don't know. And then, then, so Holly comes in, conveniently has her magic turned back on. I don't know why. Brings him back to life before. We, I didn't even get a chance to, like, I don't think I was going to mourn him. But if I was going to, I needed a little bit more time of thinking he's gone before they bring him back to life 20 seconds after he died. Yeah. There was also a few moments of, like, slow motion. And it seemed like they forgot to film it at a high frame rate. It was, like, very jittery slow motion. Did you see that? Mm. Yeah. I can't imagine Disney didn't have the budget to do a slow-mo shot. I think there was like two. Well, let's talk about the CG for a second. Speaking of like Disney budget, yeah, there's some not great, there's some 15-year-old looking, like I didn't think that troll looked great in the Italian wedding. Lord of the Rings trolls look better. Right. I, it's baffling because I know a lot of money went into this. And there's just some CG that's yeah. really spotty. Like even some of like the the flying around fairies, yeah, and that the, the time bubble thing, yeah. like it wasn't that great. The time bubble thing, I didn't understand at all because yeah, let's talk about time. <laughs> well, okay, so they have this device you can freeze time either inside the bubble or outside the bubble, something like that. Yeah, right. and so in the final scene, they freeze everything outside the bubble, which is why we have the sailor and the wave. About to crash. But anyway, mm-hmm. inside the bubble, and then the uh, butler shoots it, and it becomes damaged and unstable. <clears throat> now, when this first happens, the annoying centaur guy is like, I can't hold it on. And Judy Dench is like, 
Keep me going. Or whatever she says. <laughs> that was good. Thank you. That was very good. He's destabilized the time freeze. How long do we have? I can try to patch it, but it's not going to hold. And so it seems like at that point he had some kind of control over it. And then we, like, suddenly there becomes suspense and, like, urgency because this thing's going to blow. It's going to explode. And that's going to, I guess, kill everybody. And so I, I guess at that point, like, I thought, can't you just turn it off or have someone, like, fly up there and press the off button? Yeah, just shut, just shut it, it down. down. Like, if it's not working right anyways, like, what's the point? And also, there's nobody around. There's nobody around the entire manor except for that one sailor guy. Why did you even freeze time? There, you're right. There's no point. There's no point to freezing time. And why not freeze the inside of the bubble? Well, they can't go in the house if, unless they're invited. They could still bring... They were planning to bring Mulch Diggums in anyway yeah. to do his body horror. Oh, come on. His lip. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Don't get ahead of us. Okay, so here's the thing. Movies do this a lot, but they do it better because here's what happens. A movie teaches you how something works by giving you a little tutorial version, right. which I think was what the Italian wedding was supposed to be. Right. Get it? We have this technology. It freezes time. And then after it teaches you the functionality of a magic or some sort of technology, it then in like a very climactic moment, it reappears and you feel familiar with it yeah. because you're like, okay, I remember. It's just like how they did on a small scale, but now they're doing it on a big scale. Right. Sort of like jumping. Like you can jump right. a tiny space, but then at the climax of Jumper, he jumps the whole house. Right. And we've learned that you can jump cars in smaller sections. So now we feel like, oh, this is a great grand feat. Yeah. In Artemis Fowl, they do that earlier. But then when they put a time bubble, it doesn't work the same way it worked before because no one's frozen. It freezes outside, so all of this whole bubble concept yeah. is like, I feel like I'm trying to learn what the bubble does while it's happening. And when it starts falling apart and fairies are being sucked out of the bubble, I thought like, well, are they just getting thrown into the shadow dimension? <laughs> are they just getting obliterated? Is it like Infinity War? Are they going back in time? Right. And at the end of the scene... Artemis Fowl's still there. Holly's still there. It was fine. And it's just like, it was fine. Yeah. Nothing happened, apparently. It being destroyed, yeah, nothing happened. Like, there was there was no urgency. Right. And that, they, and also, I think the, the one fairy, the protagonist fairy, got sucked into a couple of those little bubbles. And so did Josh Gad. And it seemed like they were fine. They, like, went in one side and came out the other. And, like, no harm, no foul. Pun intended. Yes. <laughs> but but also, yes. so this, uh, basically the, the concept is, I think it's because they didn't want to be discovered by anyone else in the world. And so I guess by freezing time literally around the earth, except for this one bubble, sure. there was no chance of someone seeing them and their identity being revealed. Right. And he could, I guess he couldn't call out to like, or record or live stream it <laughs> anywhere. I guess it keeps you <laughs> isolated. Well, if you're streaming it, but time is frozen outside the bubble. Is can anyone hear you scream? You know what I mean. I don't think so. No, I don't. Think I think so that's how that works right, as exactly. far as time. Right. So now we go to Mulch Diggums, played by Josh Gad. Oh. This is actually true to the books, but when you think about it in the books, I don't think about it this gross. So maybe my mind is not as gross as these. Okay. This movie is Mulch Diggums. His skill as a dwarf is digging through dirt. He digs. He tunnels. Yeah, he tunnels. Now I would have appreciated. If he didn't eat the dirt, but instead would just be kind of a mole person that would use his arms and dig through and burrow. The gobbling up dirt by unhitching his jaw in a really weird, not great CG quality yeah. is one disturbing. But the most disturbing thing is as he enters the hole to burrow down, 
we see for a second how, as the dirt gets expelled out of his butt. Does it? I missed that. Yep. <laughs> I must have missed that. There is a moment of dirt shooting out the backside of him. Yeah. It is grotesque. I would say, do you want to like lower your rating? But you're already at the floor. <laughs> and just like Foul Manor, yeah. there is no basement. Mm, that solidifies my rating. That's ridiculous. <laughs> First of all, I was not expecting... Because there's a line at some point where it's like, ha, ha, you have to eat dirt. Right. And he's like, well, it's not like I like to eat dirt or something like that. And I said, okay, so the dwarves dig holes by eating. Eating dirt, like it didn't compute at first, and then when it's finally at Foul Manor, and we actually see him like unhinge his jaw, I'm like, "Oh, this is. I don't appreciate this. I don't approve." So you like eating dirt? Tunneling is kind of something I have to do. It's an occupational hazard. Okay, so he digs in. He goes and he finds the MacGuffin. Can you rate? Can you tell me what the MacGuffin is in this movie? The Aculos. Oh, it's what does it look it's like? The, oh, it's like a Fabergé egg. <laughs> <laughs> it's. It is a golden acorn <laughs> right. that is sort of robotic. Yeah, it's moving. It's always moving. It's always moving. It's so glowy and It's magical. like a shark. If it stops moving, you, you die. Did we learn before they use the oculos, oculos at the end, are we told at all what this thing does? I feel like there's a, a line at one point that's like, it can travel something between dimensions or universes, like that's some kind of... Uh, I don't know. It can go through some kind of time-space continuum, maybe. Use its magic to get your father back. I can't, not yet. I don't understand. This holds a power no human can access. It's their source of magic, as important to them as the sun is to us. This is another part I have to jump back for just a second. Holly is put in a cage by Artemis Fowl. <laughs> she is kidnapped. She has been in there even before Judy Dench comes in and somehow has like a conversation with him for no purpose. She's in the cage. They wear sunglasses so that she can't mesmerize them and like mind control them because that's a fairy power. Mm -hmm. They then talk about both of their dads or I don't know. They love their dads, Mm -hmm. apparently. Artemis was like, my dad's gone. And she's like, my dad's dead. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) I'm more sad than you. My father was kidnapped. My father is dead. Yeah, I guess, but I guess we're bonded by that, yeah, so... Yeah, then you trust him. He then takes off his sunglasses and says, please don't... Yeah, real genius. Genius move. Genius move. Chess master Artemis Fowl takes off his glasses and says, like, listen, she's still in the cage at this point in time. What I would do if I was her is immediately mesmerize him. He has done nothing to prove right. he has kidnapped me and put me in a cage. No, I will not trust you. Right? Yeah, I was I was expecting her to immediately mesmerize him and someone have to hit her over the head or something to stop it. That that did not make any sense to me. She then punches him in the face with for a really quick comedic pratfall, I guess. He pops up like, Oh, I deserve that. <laughs> and they shake hands at some point in time in this and say Now you can trust me. Fair enough. I eye rolled so hard when they shake hands. They should not be friends. They have done nothing to prove they should be friends. And they shake hands, and I hear the term forever friend. That might be my low point. Yeah, it was pretty bad. (laughs) You. So they then use the MacGuffin, and they bring back his dad. Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. It is the most anticlimactic use of a magical item for something to happen. Yeah. He's then back, and it's like, and that's the end. We don't even see him appear in like a glowing orb or anything. We just see like little nope. wisps of smoke. He's just in the other yeah. room. <laughs> he's just appeared in the library. He's like, oh, dad, dad, you're back. 
then we get at the very end a call from Opal Kaboy, who is the big bad Power Rangers villain, mm. who says like, "Oh, you, you're really not great. Why did you use the thing I needed in order to save him?" <laughs> he just crossed into a Jason Statham elf. Roy, person. Roy, I'm Opal Kaboy. Yeah, I don't exactly know how she was planning for him to give her the oculus the aculos yeah there was no plan for delivery it was just like and it's like well he didn't do it i'm just going to kill the dad when she goes to crystal him mm-hmm. then he transports his dad he then says at the very end just who do you think you are i'm artemis foe and i'm a criminal mastermind which i mean i guess his crime is he kidnapped a girl fairy once but, like, he has done nothing to show that he is a criminal or a mastermind. <laughs> He's just a kid. I think it was pretty criminal how he treated that counselor. <laughs> I think that's the closest we get. Oh, man. Right. So, I want to say, the guy who plays Artemis Fowler, the actor, mm-hmm. his name is Ferdia Shaw. Right. This is his first movie ever. Yeah. And I'm on his IMDb right now. This is the yeah. only acting credit. So, listen. Ferdia, you're probably listening to this. Yeah. Don't take our review of this as a, a knock on your long career. I'm sure you'll have many great movies after this. Keep at it. Keep up the good work. And you'll do great. You can only go up from here. Let's say that. <laughs> right. The script was not great. I think they told you were, must have been given direction to be like, listen, you're like a, you know, you're a, a criminal prodigy. So you are like cool, calm and collected. But what comes across is an unlikable character, which is probably not Ferdia's fault. If I had to say the lines that he had to say, and I'm not an actor, I would sound the same way. Hopefully, Ferdia will get back on his feet after this. Or maybe no one will see this movie and he can just pretend like it does not exist. I mean, it was a Disney movie. I'm sure they'll put him in something else. He'll get another shot. Hopefully, they signed him on for like a three-picture thing and he gets to be in Lion King 2. <laughs> Simba's Pride? Simba's Pride. <laughs> the, the live-action remake? Return of Jafar. Aladdin 2. Return of Jafar. I am perplexed by the making of this movie, Stephen. I'm perplexed of how this happened. This director is pretty good. There, how it could be so bad just start to finish and all the way around. It just, it boggles my mind. He's 16 years old, Nate. I don't understand that. I mean, he looks the, he looks the right age. Well, he looks 12 or like 10 right. to 12. So Exactly. Yeah. Okay, well, I don't feel as bad now that he's a little bit... I know that he's old. Yeah, yeah, he can, he can take the criticism. And he can take the, the drubbing <laughs> this movie, it's, he, movie gets. Again, I want to remind our listeners, this is a Disney movie made by <laughs> the same people who made the Frozens and the Aladdins and all those movies, too. I have to say that this movie involves the MacGuffin being in the person's house. <laughs> who was looking for it. Yeah. Sorry, I'm 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 on IMDb right now because I went to the trivia section. It says this movie spent almost 19 years in development after several years. Yeah, they bought the rights for this movie before the first book came out. But part of the production issues is that it was tied to Harvey Weinstein for a bit. Yeah, I see that. So that's not a good one to no, be tied not to. Good. Not good. Man, so weird. I feel sorry. For the people in development, because I know there were probably some good people working in, you know, costume design, set design, people serving catering, like <laughs> people on site. And this is a beloved book series, series of books. And I like I have to believe that there were some sort of issues from top down changes that this movie 
which makes it almost unwatchable. I was so perplexed by this movie, I went to go see the director have an interview and talk about this movie just so I could see in his eyes whether he thought there was something here. Okay. And then I also looked at Owen Colfer, the writer of these books, because he played a little part in this and he was also kind of around during the making of this movie. What did he think about his books turning into this? I have a quote here from Owen Colfer. Hmm. It's a very different beast to the books, but a benign beast. In that way, I got to enjoy it like an ordinary punter would because there was a lot of stuff that I didn't know was coming. That might be the most Irishy way of saying, listen, people, I don't even know. <laughs> it does sound like that. Apparently this yeah. is, I think Owen Colfer, who was a great writer, who wrote, actually wrote, uh, the, to finish out the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy after that author uh, passed away, mm. was like, is a, a good author. I I wonder if he watched this movie and said, well, not for me, but I guess this is what the kids are into. Why did he have to get that suit on, Nate? He said he told Butler at one point, I got to get the suit. Why do you have to get that suit on? Was there something special about the suit? I never saw anything special about it. I think that hit the cutting room floor along with five hours of other <laughs> essential things. <laughs> The action sequences in here are not fun. There is a troll smashing around Foul Manor at some point in time in this movie that I could not have been more bored with. You know what? Which is odd. You asked me earlier, who, if anybody, do I care about? I I cared more about the house than anything else. (laughs) When that troll was messing around with the house, I said, man. That furniture. That's a nice house. Why? I mean, that's a shame. That's a crying shame. Did, uh, Did Jacob give you his thoughts on this at all? Yeah, I actually watched this movie with Jacob. Oh, nice. In the same, next to him. So we had all the conversations while it was happening. I got to actually eye roll at him next to me. He was very much flabbergasted with me. And he said, I actually asked if he wanted to be on this episode. He said, nope, you very much will, uh, you have the same thoughts as me. (laughs) So you get to speak the Baranowski perspective. So he agrees this movie is a dumpster fire. Okay, very good. Well, listeners, if you subjected yourself to this movie, Nate, are we going to tell people when I post about this on Friday about what movie we're talk- we're doing? Do we say people watch this movie or do we say don't watch this movie? I want people to watch this movie, but I don't know why I want people to watch this movie. I'm going to say viewer discretion is advised. I remember that from like all the right. Law and Order shows. That right. Watch I mean, it's on Disney Plus. If you have Disney Plus, you're not going to pay for it. I mean, you're already paying for right, the service. Right. Yeah, okay. I mean, I think what we need to tell people, the the warning here is, it may be one of the worst movies we've reviewed on this podcast. Yes. So if you want to be a part of our community and <laughs> this is be in the same boat this as is us, what it takes. this is the penance you must pay. <laughs> this is the initiation. Yes. Listeners, if you did subject yourself to this and pass the initiation, tell us what you thought. Comment on our Instagram when the post goes up, at movies on the side there. Don't forget, we have bonus episodes every week. This week was no different. We talked about, well, I was going to say toilets first. I mean, we did talk about toilets. Uh, but we talked about chips, toilets, masks, and a host of other things. Check that out. Click the link in the show notes for supporting the show. Or just go to mots.fm and click support the show there. And if you haven't yet, we would appreciate a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. And as we always say, I'm the next criminal mastermind.